Hello, everybody. Elise, thanks for sharing a bit of your story with us. What a gift the family of God is, isn't it? It's just wonderful. Uh, I'm Brad. I'm the lead pastor here. We're going to be doing Q&A after the message. So if you have a question, you can text a question to that, that number. Where is it, Jeff? There it is. Text a question to that number, or you can write down a question in the Ask Pastor Brad card, which is in your seat pocket in front of you. What we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to change the world a little bit. Again, I, I shared this a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm, I'm struck by how over and over again I hear from all of us things that we do as a product of God's work in us and how those things literally change lives, literally change the world. And I think what we're going to do today uh, as we uh, explore God's Word, I think we're going to be drawn to a deeper, uh, a deeper movement of God in our lives and in the lives of others. So let's pray before we go forward, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the truth, guidance, and power of your Word. We ask you to speak to us reveal more of yourself and give us insight and understanding. Open our eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Turn our eyes from worthless things and give us life through your word. You made us, you created us. Now give us the sense to follow your commands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just so you know, that prayer, I pray that often. That's the prayer we do in Discovery Bible Experience. It's taken out of uh, uh, three verses from Psalm 119, which is all about uh, learning from God's Word. So, just thought you'd be interested there. We're praying God's Word. We are in our third week of our Family Life Month here at Faith. Um, this is a new tradition that we are in, and I believe it will be a, an annual event. Every January, we'll take a J-term, and we will focus specifically on what it means to be uh, blessings to the others in the family where God has placed us. Here at Faith, we say we're a family of grace, making disciples of Jesus from generation to generation. We can't actually fulfill that, of course, unless we equip ourselves to make disciples, not just of our generation, but the generations to come. For the last two weeks, I've tried to spread the net pretty uh, wide. Today, we're going to focus very specifically on children, and I think you'll see why. If you would, grab a Bible, please grab a Bible, and uh, turn to Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 14. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 14, and... Uh, we're going to read not all 14 verses, but a good chunk of them. And I'm going to ask you to stand once you get there. And i got to get there. Hold on one second here. Here it is. All right. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. 
If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Skip down to verse 10, if you would. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he, not leave, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. You may be seated. Now, let's hand it to the disciples, right? Let's hand it to the disciples. Uh, They want to jockey for a position, just like all the ladder climbers in the history of humanity. (laughs) They come to Jesus and they ask, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, that phrase, kingdom of heaven, just an FYI, is is, uh, in the other gospels, in Mark, Luke, and John... Uh, is, is kingdom of God. In Matthew, it's always kingdom of heaven. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that when in the gospel of Matthew, when the, word, the phrase kingdom of heaven is used, that that always refers to that place we go to after we die. That's not true. Uh, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous, and they mean simply the rule and reign of God in the here and now and forever. Okay, so whenever you see that phrase, kingdom of heaven, you can, you can add kingdom of God there. So they're asking Jesus, Jesus, who is the greatest in your kingdom? Where you are the king of all things, who's the greatest? That's a good question, isn't it? And what does Jesus do? Well, he turns their world a little right side up. And he calls a child and he, he brings that child and he places the child among them. And he says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children. I like the fact he says, unless you change, implying that you need to change. You need to change and you need to become like a little child or you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Okay, so what what gives here? Why is Jesus, is God in the flesh, placing such value on children in his kingdom? Well, why does Jesus tell us to follow the kids? In fact, I think I missed something. Did I I miss a a point? I did. Go, Go back to the slide before this, would you? Nope. That one? Yeah, that one. Sorry. Perfect. Yeah. This, this is the main deal. Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, children are Jesus-appointed leaders. Children are Jesus-appointed leaders in his kingdom. And so, church, faith covenant, we need to follow the kids. Why? Well, let's start here. Uh, kids get faith. What is faith? Uh, faith is not the presence of good theology. Uh, There are great theologians in the world who don't have any faith. And faith isn't simply believing in something. You know, so I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States. 
But that doesn't change me at all. I don't depend upon that truth. I believe it's true, but I don't depend upon that. No, faith means we believe in something, but we also depend on something. I can believe an airplane can take me from Minneapolis to Phoenix, Arizona. But until I step on the airplane and fly and depend upon that airplane to get me to Phoenix, I haven't really placed biblical that the faith we're, kind of, we're talking about in that airplane. So faith is to believe in and depend upon. We're going to talk next week, how we, uh, next month, how it also means to be loyal to, but we'll do that later. Now, the, the issue about faith is, and about children, is kids understand this depend upon thing. They understand, kids understand dependence, don't they? In our denomination, uh, we baptize infants. And, and why? Well, one of the reasons is we believe an infant is an amazing demonstration of what it means to be fully dependent upon God. When we come to God in baptism, what we are saying is, I am completely dependent upon you, God, for all things. Not only for, this, for saving me from my sins, I'm dependent upon you for everything. The kids get this. An infant literally has to receive or it will die. An infant needs food and clothing and shelter and love or it will not live in an abundant life. And a child's dependent dependence, uh, as they grow, they come to understand, you know, um, I'm a kid and I need help. And they may not articulate it all the way that time, uh, all, all the time, but they, they recognize they need help. I'm a child. I don't have power. I have to rely on someone else to give me what I need for an abundant life. And that abundant life is always uh, best expressed by a child depending upon a loving someone to give them what they need. And so we, as children of God, have to recognize I'm frail, like a little, like a little kid. I, I, I need God for everything. I don't take a breath without God. God has provided everything I need. And it is best to depend upon the one who loves me most for abundant living now and forever. What's more, kids understand the ask. Don't they? Mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> Dad, I'm thirsty. I have some water. Hold me. I'm scared. My chain fell off my bike. Can you help me? <laughs> What's our bent as we get older? We move from the humility of dependence to the arrogance of, I got this. Right? I got this. Yeah. I don't need you. I don't need God. I'm independent. I'm all grown up. See, in the kingdom of God, I'm all grown up is not maturity. In the kingdom of God, that's actually immaturity. Because we're children of God. We're called to follow in the footsteps of the kids and recognize that God wants us to ask for everything. That's that loving relationship of dependence. It's interesting, scholars believe when Jesus, uh, the, the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, teach us to pray. Uh, 
Uh, scholars believe that Jesus, when he said, we, we, we recognize it as the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, etc. Um, G- scholars believe that Jesus used the Aramaic word for uh, uh, dad there, the, the word Abba. So when the disciples come to Jesus and they say, uh, teacher, teach us how to pray, uh, a lot of people, a lot of scholars believe that Jesus said, okay, when you pray, say, our Abba, who art in heaven. Now, the, the best English equivalent we have to the, the word Abba is the word Papa or Daddy. And so as you think about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is a, is a simple, childlike ask. It's very, very simple. In fact, I'd like, to, I'd like to play it against each other just a little bit so you can see how childlike the Lord's Prayer is. So we think, Our Father, who art in heaven... It's really, Papa, you're in heaven. You're, you're, in, you're in your exalted realm. I know that. Hallowed be thy name. Papa, your name's the best. Thy kingdom come, thy world will be done. Papa, uh, be my king. Be the whole world's king. Give thus this day our daily bread. Papa, I'm hungry. Can I have my bread today? (laughs) And forgive us our sins as we forgive those. Papa, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Uh, Will you please forgive me? And the way you forgive me, that's the way I want to forgive everybody. And lead us not into temptation. And would you please lead me away from the dangerous, scary stuff, Papa? (laughs) The the disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. And he gives us, he he gives them this little itty-bitty childlike prayer. I want you to pray to your papa. Call God your, your daddy and ask him for what you need. That's the essence of the Lord's Prayer. It's very childlike. And if we approach prayer the way a child would approach prayer, how might that change the way you pray? Secondly, Jesus compels us to follow the kids because he knows if we welcome a child, we welcome Jesus. Now, where else have we seen this bit of thinking uh, here on Sunday mornings? If you go back to October, we did a series on Matthew 25, specifically the parable of the sheep and the goats. And in that sheep and the goats passage, there's, there's this imagery of Jesus somehow present with those who are frail and vulnerable. Uh, whatever you did to the least of these, whatever you did to the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the naked, the imprisoned, you did to me. And here we see that continued solidarity of Jesus with the frail. But here, it's a child. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Welcome a kid. Welcome Jesus. According to the Scriptures, Jesus is somehow mysteriously present when we make space in our lives for children. Have you ever said, I just want to hear from God. I want to have an experience with God. Well, great. Invite some kids over for lunch. <laughs> or uh, pick up your son or daughter from school and take them to Dairy Queen and, uh, and leave the phone in the car. Or if you're a grandparent, when the grandkids come over, get on the floor if you can and play with them. That'll give you an experience of being with God. Yeah, 
And whoever welcomes one such child welcomes me. Take this further. What does that verse tell us here at Faith Covenant Church about making disciples of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is an apprentice of Jesus, is a follower of Jesus. Well, I think that verse tells us that people serious about being with Jesus have to be people who carve out space in their life and ministry for children. Which means that the most spiritual people here at Faith Covenant Church aren't necessarily always in the Bible study. They're often in the nursery, right? Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what, I want to I experience God more deeply. And you say, I'm going to uh, join up with children's ministry. Or join up with our youth ministry. I'm going to show you how to do that real quick. You want to have an experience with God? Okay, real quick. You can Right now, you can go on your phone. I won't think ill of you. Go to our website on your phone. Go to the Contact Us page. And you will find this little form you can fill out. And where it says, uh, what can we help you with? There's a drop-down menu. You can put children's ministry. Or you can put youth ministry. And then you just fill out the rest of it. Tell, tell us you want to get involved. And if that seems like that's, that's uh, too hard for you right now, maybe you can, as you exit today, because you want to have an experience with Jesus, you want to meet Jesus, um, then you can just, as you exit, turn to your left. Uh, our youth director, Nick, is going to be at the youth table there. You can say, Nick, how do I get involved in youth ministry? Or you can continue forward to the big sign that says, Kids... That's the indication that that's where our children's ministry is, if you didn't know that. Um, you can go to that, that sign, and there will be a desk there, and there will be people there. You say, I want to get involved in children's ministry. Yeah, you welcome a child. You welcome Jesus. You want to have an experience with Jesus? Welcome a child. Now, of course, Jesus has some, uh, some pretty strong words for the alternative, doesn't he? Read this with me, if you would. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now let that sink in just for a second. Those who get in the way of a child, knowing and following Jesus, put the child's life and their life in jeopardy. Now, we, of course, typically equate uh, causing a child to stumble with all the big sins against children. And those are big sins. I, I, don't get me wrong. But isn't one of the worst forms of child abuse, or a very bad form of child abuse, simply neglect? A child that is neglected is a child that is not being cared for. And what does that say about a church I'm not saying this is us, but I think we want to grow in this area. What does it mean for us as a church to say we will not ever participate participate in any form of neglect for the children and the youth among us or in our community? Somehow we're going to strive to ever go deeper in welcoming children in our lives because if you welcome a child, you welcome Jesus. And if I may, one, one, um, one more thing I, I just want to add. It is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And I think it's a good question to ask, okay, um, how do these verses 
speak to my thoughts on abortion. Welcome a child. Welcome Jesus. I don't care where you stand politically. I'm not asking you as a Republican or a Democrat. I'm asking you as a Christ follower. What does it mean when it comes to that particular issue to welcome a child, welcome Jesus, and or cause a child to stumble? What would it look like for us to take that controversial topic and reframe it around welcoming Jesus? See, Jesus in all of his teaching is constantly turning our upside-down thinking right-side up, isn't he? And he's resetting our priorities by letting us know God has put kids at the top of his priority list. Now, you might be wondering, okay, wait a second, Pastor Brad, how are you getting there? Well, follow my thinking here. Um, very likely, at some point, if you hung out in church at any, for any length of time, you've heard the story of the lost sheep. Okay, The story of the lost sheep is typically preached out of Luke 15. Luke 15 has the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost prodigal son. It preaches well. <laughs> uh, we're not in Luke 15 right now. We're in, Luke, we're in Matthew 18. Okay? And Jesus, here in Matthew 18, he tells the story of the lost sheep. But he does something a little interesting that he doesn't do in Luke. Uh, verse 12. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. Up to that point, we're pretty much exactly the same as Luke 15. But look what Matthew does and what Jesus does in the very next verse. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So Jesus in Matthew 18 takes that parable of the lost sheep, but he emphasizes it in the fact that God is not willing that any of these little ones should ever perish. Now, that principle is profound, of course. I mean, think about it. every parent or grandparent or you're an aunt or an uncle. You have a little one near you. You're, you're somewhere. Let's say you're even here at church. You turn around and they're not here. You, you turn around and they're like, oh, where's little Megan or little Johnny? Five minutes go by and you're like, huh, well, they wandered off somewhere. I'm sure they'll turn up. Ten minutes go by, you begin to get a little concerned, right? Twenty minutes go by, and you've been looking around, and, and you can't find them. And you're, you're bringing people alongside you. You're like, hey, uh, I, I can't find little Johnny, little Megan, etc. Thirty minutes go by, everything basically has stopped in this church. You know, I would, get a, I would get a message from children's ministry. We would stop this service, and we would all get up and go look for little Johnny or little Megan. That's the priority God has here for children. He is not willing that any of them should perish. And so you have to, if you have to leave the 99 on the hill and go search after the one, go for it. This being the case, I, I think I need to put a flag in the sand this morning and declare the top priority for Faith Covenant Church has to be its children's and youth ministry. It has to be top priority. I'll say it. I'm the lead pastor. I get to say it. And if you want me to justify it, let's do it this way. Um, let, let's just do a little exercise. All right, what I want you to do is think back to 2010. Remember 2010? I, 
Yeah, if you're, if you're young, you may not. Uh, all of us older folks, we remember 2010. If I look up a movie or a TV show on Netflix and it's, it says 2010, I don't think that's long ago, okay? You know, that, that was just like, that was 10 years ago, but it just, it was like yesterday. It, it flew by these last 10 years. Now think about 2030. Ooh. Oh, 2000. That's so far away, right? No, it's not. It's just, it's another 10 years. And guess what, Faith Covenant Church? In the same way that the last 10 years flew by, these next 10 years are going to fly by. How old will you be in 10 years? I'll be 63. I'll be thinking about retirement. (laughs) Where will you be? I know some of you won't be here. Good news, you'll be with the Lord. Praise God. And don't you, when you see the Lord, don't you want Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And according to this text, isn't part of being a good and faithful servant welcoming a child Carving out space in your life for your sons, your daughters, for your nieces, your nephews, for your grandkids, for your great-grandkids. Isn't that going to be part of the equation? I think it has to be. According to this text, God is not willing that any of these kids should perish. If we welcome a child, we welcome Jesus. So here at Faith Covenant Church, as we prepare for the future, we have to, right now, be doing the things that are necessary to pass the baton on to the next generation. This being the case, what is God calling you to do, change, or pray about? Is there something from this message that you're feeling the Holy Spirit nudge you just a bit? And you're thinking, maybe I should help out in children's ministry. Or, or maybe there is a new relationship with my grandkid that I need to rethink. Or maybe there is space in my life for my own child that I, I need to put that computer, that, 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 uh, that phone away so that I can, I'm redoing this well. You know, people often say that uh, uh, the church is one generation from extinction. I don't think that's good theology, but why do they say that? I think they say that because we know that if the, if the, the baton of faith is not passed on to the next generation... This space right here will be a ghost town in 10 years, right? And that's not God's will for us. We will not be good and faithful servants if that's the case. So what is God calling you to do, change, or pray about? And as you ponder that, I'm going to bite tone up. We're going to pause for Q&A. If you're new to Faith Covenant Church, we do Q&A quite a bit. We'll do it for seven minutes. Um, And uh, we always reserve the right to be wrong. We think this is, someone said, uh, yeah, that was me who put you on the spot with that question in Q&A. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, I thanked him for that. Um, there we go. As uh, Tone is looking through these, um, I just want to give a shameless plug for this Wednesday night and the next two Wednesday nights, all right? The next two Wednesday nights, we have uh, Family Life Month Wednesday nights. 6.15, we have a free meal. For the whole faith family, 
All you have to do is let the, church, the, uh, the office know you're coming. You can do that on Realm. You can just call the church. And then after that, we have family life ministry uh, education for kids, youth, and parents, and, uh, or, or all adults. And that happens uh, here at 645. So please join us over the next two Wednesday nights. So the last Wednesday night of the month is going to be a faith family night game night. Okay, so everyone can come and participate in that. All right, go for it. Yeah, okay. So I want to start with a simple one, and then we'll work our way. Oh, wait, okay. no, there's another one. I'm going to do the hard one. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what does the Bible say to parents who have made poor decisions that have led or even pushed their children away from God but realize they have done this? Are they forgiven, and are their prayers to bring their children back to the kingdom of God going to be heard? Yes, your prayers will be heard. Um, so that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, it, it, the question was specific. What does the Bible say about, um, outside of the verses we noted, um, you know, I'm, I'm not quick enough, so the, the verse is not coming to my mind right now. But I will say um, the Bible is specific that part of our call as parents and grandparents and, and aunts and uncles is to, um, is, uh, to not discourage our children, um, is to bring them up in the faith, is to uh, declare uh, the story of God for them, to teach them God's commands and God's statutes. Um, and so that's all throughout the scriptures. And the reality is, and we see this interestingly, in this, one of the things I'm actually grateful for in the Bible is heroes in the faith often had children who totally were rebellious. All right? So uh, Solomon, David, you know, a, a lot of these heroes in the faith had generations after them Whose, whose kids were kind of nutso. Um, and and that's, that's encouraging to me uh, because it means that even the heroes in the faith struggled with family life. And, and so the, the, the playing field is pretty level there. I think that the good news is there's, there's never a point in this life where you're kind of, um, where you can't stop and say, I'm, I'm going to redo this. I'm going to get a restart here through the power of God, and I'm going to start doing the healthy things, um, abiding in Christ and allowing the Spirit to lead me in this relationship with my, um, the, the young people in my family uh, so that that relationship becomes a healthy relationship. Um, and, and so I think it's not too late, no matter how old you are, uh, to uh, begin to renew that relationship. God wants to redeem these relationships, and um, he wants, uh, and as you pray, he, he will respond to those prayers. That said, as I said last week, um, you can't run your child's race, okay? So if uh, I have a daughter or a son, and, and they suddenly declare, uh, Dad, I'm now an atheist, okay, you and God have something to work out. I can't make you not be an atheist, um, but I can pray for you, okay? All right. Uh, so this one says, what if I'm struggling with having children biologically or through adoption, and it's too painful to be around kids or anyone young right now? What's my role in lifting up? Sure. Well, what I hear there is that someone is, um, is actively grieving about uh, this part of their life. 
And in that grief, um, it's okay to be in that stage of grief. And uh, I, all I would say is uh, trust God in this part of the journey and uh, let the Spirit lead you through that journey of grief and let the Spirit be the one who lets you know, you know, how to engage with children when the time is right. Um, there, there are times where life kind of gives us a one-two punch and we end up in a kind of, in a state of recovery. Um, when I was uh, in my bike accident, some of you know about, um, you know, there was, there was a season where I was kind of in recovery mode and I couldn't do all the things I needed to do. And so I needed to stop and pause and, and be in that, that recovery mode until a time where I was more able to participate in things that God is calling me to. I think it's a good opportunity for us as the church to have a good pulse on our people mm-hmm. <laughs> and to come alongside them and help them in that grief because you can. We've had the privilege of, we've adopted and have a biological children, so we're able to walk alongside people in that and bring, help bring them to a place. God uses you to mm-hmm. bring people to a place where you eventually can. But it's hard. Yeah, and I, I will add to that, our seasons with kids change. Yeah. Okay? So... Um, you know, there, there might be 20 years where you're helping, helping out in children's ministry. But then, you know, God, uh, you're in a new season where you have all these grandkids or something. And, and so your, your season of life of, of being with kids looks, begins to look different. And, and that's okay. It doesn't have to look the same all the way through. That's so good, yeah. This one is very good. It's astute. In Matthew 18:14, is it possible that the little ones refers also to the spiritually immature or new believers that are new in the faith? Is age relevant? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, so I, I, I saw that as well in, in the passage, and I think um, it's not not that. <laughs> um, I think uh, because Jesus' example is, I want you to be, I want you to change, and I want you to to become to me like a little child, which then brings, you know, the adults that he's speaking to into that that equation of uh, being uh, childlike in their faith, and so that little caveat in uh, that in Matthew 14, um, I think, brings along. The, the believer into that understanding of what it means to be a child of God, a child of faith. Yeah. What's this one right here? Um, asking. Ver- various teachings provide confusing meanings. Yeah. Please define soul yeah. and spirit. Um, that, uh, let's talk about that offline only because it's not particular on this particular topic. So uh, the person who wrote that, he and I can talk through that more. Or when I preach on soul and spirit, we'll hit it there. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Tone. Give Tone a big round of applause. I I want to encourage you, if if you're like sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit nudging me this way. Um, That's almost like writing a, do you know what an ellipsis is in uh, punctuation? Uh, It's the three dots. You know, so you, you start a phrase and then ellipsis, three dots, ah, to be continued, basically. So you have that nudge from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is compelling you to, ah, I think it's, you have a good idea. You think it might be from God, 
what's, what's the next, what comes after the ellipsis for you? Uh, I, would, I would pray that what we talked about isn't just a good idea for you. I pray that it becomes intentional action for you. And uh, let's pray into that right now. Holy God, we are so grateful that we, we worship a living God who understands what it is to be an infant. Who understands what it is to be a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old. You are truly God in the flesh, Lord. All the way. Christmas, all the way to Easter and beyond. God, we are, we are grateful uh, that we don't worship a God who doesn't understand what it's like to be a kid. God, we need to understand more, once again, what it means to be a kid. Give us a childlike faith here at Faith Covenant Church. And we do pray, God, that you would use us to welcome kids. We pray, God, that uh, what we do here at Faith would be a demonstration of the fact that you are not willing that any of these kids should perish. And so, empower us, Lord. Lead us. Give us eyes to see your leadership so that our children's ministry and our youth ministry grows and that baton of faith is passed on exceedingly well from generation to generation. Amen. Interesting thing, I, I didn't bring it up in this service, I did in the last service, just real quick. Uh, our, our kids in our area schools, our public schools especially, here in this area, are the ones who have the most contact with all of our Muslim neighbors. Our kids are, uh, are sitting in classrooms and they are surrounded uh, by Muslim children. And so what an opportunity. What a great gift God has given us in this uh, part of the world to have that kind of contact. And those kids are the ones who have the most contact. It's a beautiful thing. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have some people down front who would love to pray for you. If you have a, uh, a prayer need, uh, become like a little, be a kid right now. Just come and ask God for it. Some people will be down front here. They have green lanyards on. They'd love to pray for you. I'm going to give us this, um, this charge, this closing charge that we've used the last couple of weeks from Psalm 78. If you're visiting with us, please stop by the blue high-top tables. Jill and I, my wife, we'd love to, to greet you and give you a shameless free gift and say hi. Now go. Go and tell the next generation of faith the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. Declare His statutes, which He commanded our ancestors to teach our children, so the next generation of faith would know them. Even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. So all would put their trust in God and not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. And what are his commands? They are summed up in love God and love others. Have a great week.